A new season is finally here. The air is getting crisp. The smack talk is beginning. College football is back. And so is another season of Hail to the Pod. We'll preview Michigan's 140th season of football and get you ready for Michigan's season opener versus Middle Tennessee State. It's all coming up next on this week's edition of Hail to the Pod. Welcome to a new season of Hail to the Pod. I'm your host, Kevin Rich. You can always get in touch with the show by emailing hailtothepod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at krich23. And be sure to subscribe to Hail to the Pod on your favorite podcast platform, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. And the benefit, of course, of subscribing is that every week when a new episode gets published, it goes right to your listening device. Jam-packed show to bring you. We'll break down the roster and what we expect or hope to see out of the team this coming season. We'll preview the opener against Middle Tennessee State with Anthony Fiorella. He covers MT Athletics for GoBlueRaiders.com. We'll answer some preseason questions from the mailbag, including predictions on how the Wolverines will fare this season. What's the ceiling? What's the basement? What's that look like? And we'll bring back the weekly pick segment featuring four games to bet on this weekend and the lock of the week. So let's get to it, shall we? Probably the biggest offseason storyline is on the offensive side of the football where we'll start, and that is the hiring of new offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis. Now, he's a former assistant at Alabama, at Penn State, very successful tenures at both stops. If you look at what he did for Penn State's offense and certainly what he did uh, at Alabama as an assistant there, helping to install that spread offense attack, that run-pass option elements in there as well, it works so well for those two teams. And why Nick Saban didn't want to relinquish offensive play calling duties to Gaddis this offseason kind of boggles your mind a little bit. But, hey, not Michigan's problem. Michigan certainly reaps the benefit um, and has a guy whose mantra is speed and space calling the plays for the maize and blue. But, you know, certainly the question mark there as you look at the offense is how good can the system be and how does the system work with the players Michigan has? And I think Michigan's in a different scenario now, different outlook now compared to the Rich Rodriguez years um, where <laughs> you go from Coach Lloyd Carr and uh, his offensive you know, pro-style attack there to this uh, Rich Rodriguez spread attack with you know, recruits that were just big and meaty and not the speed guys that we tend to see um, athletes now getting recruited out of high school are. And uh, it certainly didn't work for uh, Rich Rod in his first season. And then when he, of course, finally uh, got the players in there <laughs> that helped um, kind of make that system available and better for him, what do we see happen? While well, he gets fired, Brady Hoke comes in and wins with his players. But I think what's different here with Josh Gaddis is the fact that Michigan's been recruiting the kind of players and have been bringing in the transfers that basically fit this model. I mean, football has evolved to this. How many teams do we see Michigan play now during the regular season and you know in bowl games that have this spread style attack where they spread you out, they get you into space, go you know one on one with athletes and uh, and try to out athlete you. And I think Michigan 
you know, is doing the right thing here by installing an offense um, that's better suited to put points up on the board and get these fast guys into space. And there's no doubt that Michigan has players on the roster to do that. And it all starts with the quarterback. That's Shea Patterson, you know, a five-star recruit, uh, a guy that we saw in several games last year when things got a little yucky in the pocket, you know, wanted to bring it out and had the ability to move with his feet, but was a little limited with the play calling. So, you know, I think if there's any quarterback that's going to be able to adapt to that system that Josh Gaddis is installing, uh, it's going to be Shea Patterson. And certainly hearing what the coaches say, hearing what's been going on in practices, uh, it seems to me, um, it seems to pretty much everyone who's been following the team that um, you know Michigan's quarterback in Shea Patterson and the guys behind him like Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton are really responding well to that. And when you talk about that speed and space, Michigan's got it with wide receivers. Talk about a dynamic trio. You got Tariq Black, Nico Collins, and Donovan People-Jones. Um, if those guys are healthy, um, then that's going to put you in a situation where he's got plenty of guys out there to throw the ball to. Offensive line, Michigan probably finally <laughs> has one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten. Uh, maybe a top three, top four uh, unit. Uh, guys like Runyon and Bredesen, Cesar Ruiz in the middle, uh, Michael Onwenu, Jalen Mayfield, we've heard good things about him. That's a really solid offensive line. Um, they've got some pretty good guys uh, in backups behind them if, if a guy were to go down. Um, so I think offensively, if the offensive line is able to uh, come in here and play solid football and be that top unit that we're expecting, um, then the sky's the limit for the offense. Uh, we know the tight ends. Uh, Sean McCune, Nick Eubanks, they're ready to go. And and it seems to me that the biggest question for the offense this season, or at least where I've seen a lot of questions coming in the mailbag, and we'll hit the mailbag later, and people I talk to in other podcasts I've been on um, giving a Michigan perspective, a lot of people seem pretty concerned about the running back situation. And and I got to tell you, I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than others. I, I'm excited to see, you, we know we've got three talented running backs in that backfield, uh, True Wilson, you got the freshman Zach Charbonnet, and of course the sophomore Christian Turner uh, coming in to replace Karan Higdon, uh, who uh, certainly left uh, last year to uh, try an NFL career, uh, and Chris Evans, who got dismissed from the team. I don't know. It seems everybody's on the, the Christian Turner bandwagon, but I got to tell you, I think True Wilson's the guy here. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's the one that gets the bulk of the carries and is the guy that gets the bulk of the snaps, because one thing that we saw last year with True Wilson is he was so good at pass protection. And in an offensive style that spreads you out, no huddle, quarterback's out there, a lineman gets past the line of scrimmage, you need your running back to A, help sell the run-pass option, but also a running back that can step in there and obviously uh, block and provide some good pass protection. And True Wilson is clearly the best uh, at that. So I would not be surprised if True Wilson gets, A, the majority of the carries for the Wolverines on Saturday and is the go-to guy. But he certainly has a really talented freshman and a strong sophomore in Christian Turner that are pushing him. On the other side, we look at the defense, and it seems like every year the mastermind, Don Brown, has his work cut out for him, and he certainly does uh, with this unit. And this is a unit that's been top three uh, in the nation every year that Don Brown's been there, and you look at who they lost. Uh, you look at guys like Devin Bush uh, going to the NFL. They lose Long. You lose Winovich, Gary. There's some talented guys um, that are uh, that have left that team over the offseason, but you also have some really good returning talent. Uh, you've got at the linebacking core a guy like Josh Uche, 
Quiddy Pay, Kalik Hudson, who we expect to uh, step into the Devin Bush role, Josh Ross, um, who's going to look to uh, do some things in that middle linebacking core. The cornerback, you got Lavert Hill. Um, so there's some players here. You know, Michigan's got some talent defensively. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I am a bit nervous about the secondary. Uh, we don't know how healthy Ambry Thomas is. Um, and if it's not him, Vincent Gray is going to be uh, stepping into, uh, you know, a position uh, pretty quick out of the gate along with Jalen Kelly Powell uh, to back up Lavert Hill on the other side of the ball at the cornerback position. And uh, certainly that could be an area that Michigan, you know, has some talent, but not as proven uh, as the talent's been uh, going into the season in previous years. Uh, of course, you return Josh Metellus and Brad Hawkins, who've had uh, opportunities to play in those safety roles for the Wolverines. But certainly Don Brown has his work cut out for him. Uh, but if the offense is any bit better, which we're certainly hoping that they will be, um, then, you know, if Michigan's defense regresses from maybe top three to top 10, that would still probably be pretty darn good boating for Michigan uh, to have a pretty good season. On the special team side, Michigan stacked at special teams. Will Hart, the punter, uh, he's coming back. He's going to be great. And of course, you've got two reliable kickers in Quinn Nordine and Jake Moody. But, you know, that's a position group in the field goal kickers, Jake Moody and Quinn Nordine, where like you feel like you should have confidence. And then that old adage comes back, oi, college kickers. <laughs> I mean, you, you hear it all the time where coaches uh, will say, you know, related to a quarterback, right? Coaches will say, oh, well, we've got two really good quarterbacks and we're going to play them both. Well, you know what that means? That means you don't have a quarterback because if one of them was blowing you away in practice, they would be the starter. And what we've seen with quarterbacks over the years, teams that come out with two quarterbacks, uh, the second that one gets thrown under pressure or has a bad game and gets yanked, they lose all sorts of confidence and in comes the next guy. I don't think that's going to happen with the field goal kicking game for Michigan. It's just that right now with the coaching staff saying, hey, it's a neck and neck race between Jake Moody and Quinn Nordine. I'm just hopeful that come Saturday, they've made up their decision that some guy, one of those guys, has really displayed what they needed out of them, and they're able to come in and really be that go-to guy during the season. Because what you don't need in a high-pressure situation, and Michigan playing several top 25 teams this season, and several teams that went to bowl games and had really good seasons last year, if a game's going to come down to a field goal kick, you want a guy in there with the utmost confidence and uh, not one that's worrying about the guy behind him uh, coming in and taking over the playing time. So that makes me a little nervous. I, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't think I'd come on the podcast and say, hey, one of the position groups I'm most nervous about is the field goal kicking. But in the college sport and knowing there's two guys pushing each other day in and day out, I guess that makes me a little nervous. But we'll see come Saturday. And the home opener is on Saturday. The Michigan Wolverines taking on Middle Tennessee State. It's my pleasure to bring on Anthony Fiorella. He covers MT Athletics. You can catch his work at GoBlueRaiders.com and at MT Athletics on Twitter. Anthony, thanks for popping on. Yeah, Kevin, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Absolutely. How great is it to have college football back? Man, it's, uh, it seemed like this offseason was a little bit longer than others, just for me personally. I don't know... Uh, how it felt for you guys up there in Michigan, but um, we're going through quite a few changes uh, here down in uh, Murfreesboro, so um, it seemed like a long off season. so I'm glad that uh, we're finally getting ready to kick things off here on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely, and and talking about the big changes, uh, you know, to me, and, and I know there's not a lot of 
familiarity for you know Michigan fans with with Middle Tennessee State since obviously it's it's a it's a foe they haven't played before. Um, but to me, it seems like the big change is, of course, uh, at quarterback. Uh, Brent Stock still a four year starter, son of the head coach, ends his career. He was the Conference USA MVP. Seems like he set like every big record uh, for the MT program. How do you replace a guy like that? Uh, and in the quarterback competition, who do you expect to get the nod on Saturday? So yeah, obviously, you know, you, you mentioned Brent there, and uh, you're, you're definitely not wrong. Um, Brent was also kind of a folklore hero around here. He played his high school football here in town. Um, nearly won a state championship on a torn ACL his senior year. Was a really tough, got gritty player that uh, had a very successful career here at MTSU as well. Um, so, you know, going in to replace him, obviously, you know, it's arguably the best player in the program's history. So uh, big shoes to fill for, for the quarterback at the quarterback spot. But um, coming in here this year, uh, they had three guys coming into fall camp that they were really looking at uh, to kind of battle it out for that spot. Um, and Asher O'Hara, Randall Johnson, and Chase Cunningham – Asher O'Hara was the backup to Brent last year, had some time, got to uh, play against Florida International in a conference game, um, did a pretty good job of managing the offense that week, and it was a week where Brent was kind of questionable going into that game, so Asher didn't even know he was going to start until uh, it was getting closer to game time that week, so it did a pretty good job. Um, Chase Cunningham is a guy that was on the roster last year, came in couple of plays just in mop-up rolls, handing the ball off a couple of times. Uh, he's from out of the Knoxville area, was a very successful high school player, and Randall Johnson is a big six-foot-five physical guy that uh, transferred in as uh, from a junior college this past offseason, Reedley College out in Los Angeles. Um, he's a guy with a big arm. Uh, I will say, accuracy-wise, he seemed to have struggled a bit at times. Um but I would, if I was going to put money down on it, I would say it would probably be Asher O'Hara that gets the nod on Saturday going into that game up there in Ann Arbor. Well, and whoever the quarterback is on Saturday, they have one tremendous wide receiver to throw the ball to in Ty Lee. Uh, NCAA's active leader in receptions, a dangerous weapon in the slot. Just how good of a player is he? He's He's really fun to watch. You know, Ty is a guy that uh, he can really hurt you after he gets the ball in his hands. Um, he's a guy that uh, does a really good job of finding soft spots in zone coverage while he also is quick enough to burn nickel corners, you know, right right off the get-go, off the line of scrimmage and get downfield and make catches. Um, he can hurt you in the return game. Uh, just a really, really special guy that uh, – Honestly, the biggest thing for me is his speed, um, so it'll be fun to watch him. I know, of course, uh, Michigan corners um, coming into that game. Uh, Levert Hill, I know, is a guy that's, uh, you know, a really good guy. Um, kind of, I think, was uh, close to being an All-American this year, if not like a f- third-team preseason All-American. I remember I thought I saw a reading. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they – if the Wolverines match up him and Ty Lee and just kind of have him follow him around or how they go about that situation. But I believe that'll be a fun matchup to watch on Saturday. 
Yeah, no, I agree as well. You know, Michigan got lit up in the slot quite a bit uh, in that Ohio State game, and, and certainly Florida had a pretty good recipe against them in the bowl game. So it'd be interesting to see. But when you see players uh, that have tremendous talent like Ty Lee uh, out there, that dangerous weapon in the slot um, could could spell some trouble and, and put up some good yards uh, against that Wolverines defense. Now, you know, you talk up tempo. Um, it's it's been you know kind of the mo for for Coach Stockstill um, with MT. Um, but as I watch some game film and, you know, look at, you know, who's returning and who's not returning, it seems to me there might be maybe some growing pains on the offensive line. You talk about, um, you know, losing a four-year starter at quarterback, but a team that lost three out of five linemen. Um, what, what, what are they thinking about the O-line and, and how is that coming together? So the O-line, yeah, you, as you mentioned, you know, they lose three starters. They're getting two back. The uh, starters they get back from last year, their center, Josh Bannon, um, even for Conference USA, he's he's a bit of an undersized guy. Um, right tackle, they get Amir Luckett back, who is a senior. Um, but honestly, you know, kind of coming into this year with the guys that they're going to have that are going to slot into some of those empty spots, um, really stock still from, you know, from talking to the media and stuff, seems kind of excited about that group. He, uh, he feels like they're a physical group. Um, uh and something that he feels like they also can do is he can move, kind of move guys around where uh, he feels like here some of these years past, these couple years past, guys are strictly guards or strictly tackles, strictly centers. He feels like he can kind of move guys around if he needs to with this group. Um, obviously, you know, the inexperience going up against what is likely going to end up being one of the top ten defensive lines in the country when it's all said and done at the end of this season. You know, it's going to be a really tough physical battle for them. But having said that also, I know from talking to them, a lot of them are excited for the challenge, you know, to have it to kick off the year. Well, we're talking to Anthony Fiorella. He covers MT Athletics. You can catch his work at GoBlueRaiders.com and at MT Athletics on Twitter. You know, we talked about, you know, Middle Tennessee isn't a familiar opponent um, for Michigan, but there is someone on that MT sideline that Michigan fans know pretty well, and that's defensive coordinator Scott Schaefer. Uh, obviously, he spent one year with the Wolverines in 2008 uh, during the failed uh, Rich Rod years. Um, not really that loved in Ann Arbor or Syracuse, but I've always thought he was just a solid defensive coach. He loves to bring the blitz. He really has specialized in, in terms of being a defensive coordinator, um, you know, over the last few years. It seems like he's got a lot of talent on that defense, doesn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, just as you say, Schaefer, uh, he's a guy that definitely likes to attack defensively. And I know one thing going into the beginning of last season that they really wanted to focus on was trying to create more turnovers. Um, because two years ago in that in that 6-6 six and six season where they won the Camellia Bowl, that was a department that they kind of struggled in defensively was uh, creating turnovers and giving the offense extra chances. And last year, that's something that they did. And I think, you know, it. you can attribute that to the pressure that they put on. Um, they have an outside linebacker in Khalil Brooks that is uh, in the top five in um, school history and sacks right now. He'll be back this year. Uh, linebacker really across the board. They're talented. Um, they have a transfer from Maryland and Brett Shepard that uh, right now is not slaughtered as a starter, but will provide great depth. Uh, that inside linebacker spot behind Cody Smith, DQ Thomas, really good. Um, along the defensive line, you know, they've got three starters returning in Tyson Render, Malik Manseal, and Trey Philpotts, which are 
all really, really skilled guys that you can move inside or outside. And obviously, you know, I, I think honestly the most skilled position possibly on the team, the two safeties, Javante Moffitt and Reed Blankenship, uh, they seem like guys that I think could probably play in the NFL one day. Um, Moffitt last year battled some injuries, but he's back. Um, he's looked great in camp. He's feeling healthy. Reed Blankenship. He's a guy also provide a, a spark for you on special teams. Um, Ball Hawk, he had an 100-yard interception return in a game against Old Dominion last year. So the defense, uh, honestly, coming back into this season, I expect them to do big things as well. Yeah, the one that really stood out for me, you mentioned the, the that dangerous linebacking duo with Brooks and Thomas, but uh, Reed Blankenship, I mean, preseason, all-conference USA, he, he's just someone that just stood out just all over the field uh, defensively. Um, and with, uh, you know, a, a coordinator in Schaefer that likes to bring the blitz, you know, it seems like there's nowhere on the field he can't go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's always great to kind of have a guy like that that, you know, can kind of play center field because obviously when you load the box and you have, you're sending seven or eight guys, it, it leaves a lot of exposure over the middle of the field. So when you have a guy like that that, you know, can kind of patrol out there and force quarterbacks to, you know, maybe t- second guess going over the middle of the field, even with the blitz coming, it creates problems. And, uh, he's honestly too, he's just a kid where you kind of look at him and you see him out there and you're like, if you take this kid and you put him on a power five roster, you think he could get you, you want, just by looking at him, you'd think he could succeed just as much as he is now. Now, Anthony, I got to ask you, you know, first ever meeting of the two programs. I know you spend a lot of time um, around MT athletics on a daily basis. How excited are the coaches and, and the players and, and those in the athletic department to come to Ann Arbor on Saturday and play, you know, in a stadium that has as much history um, as the big house? You know, honestly, it's funny you say that because just yesterday in uh, Coach Stockstall's weekly press conference, you know, they kind of asked him about playing in the stadium and stuff, the big stadium. And while, you know, they don't want to try to overhype it and overplay it and, and come in there and just kind of up and roll over, you know, just because of what it is, at the same time, you can tell by the players and the way that they've been over this past week and stuff, that they are excited. You know, it's it's an environment that's second to none in college football. It's the biggest stadium in the country, you know. It's the first game of the season. To have an opportunity to, to kind of showcase your skill and see what you can kind of do against the top ten team, it's a great opportunity for uh, a team that can come back and has a lot to prove this year, quite frankly, with as much as they lost last year. Well, it's going to be a great atmosphere in the big house. Saturday night under the lights, Michigan's first ever home opener uh, under the lights at nighttime. We're pumped for it. Uh, Anthony Fiorella covers MT Athletics. You can catch his work at GoBlueRaiders.com and at MT Athletics on Twitter. Anthony, thank you so much for the time today. Kevin, I appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to watching the game Saturday, and uh, hope you guys have a good rest of the week. Here we go. Red 29. All right, it's time to go to the mailbag. As always, you can email the show at hailtothepod at gmail.com. This one from Brian in Plymouth, Michigan. What game other than one of our rivals scares you the most this season? 
Well, I could probably put four games in this category and not because I think that Michigan will lose all four and I actually think Michigan would probably win all four or maybe lose one of them. But uh, as you look at the schedule, I'd say four games in that category would definitely be Army at Wisconsin, Iowa, and at Penn State. If you told me which one I'm most worried about, though, it'd have to be Penn State. I mean, they're just – that's a team I'd rather play earlier in the season instead of in mid-October. It's on the road – If I'm an ABC executive, I'm making that the ABC night game under the lights. We all remember what happened the last time Michigan played there. Maybe I'm just scared of the atmosphere, but if you look at it on paper, Penn State has one of the best defenses in the country. Offensively, not so sure how they're going to score points. They lost their best quarterback in program history, and when everyone thought that that talented Tommy Stevens would take the role, he got injured. And her transfer protocol, the rest is history. I don't know if Sean Clifford's the best quarterback out there, but I just get this sense that Penn State's going to figure it out by the time Michigan rolls in there in mid-October. And they have that kind of defense that's going to keep them in games like this every single week. And what scares me about this game is that their offense could figure a lot of things out by then. And of course... Did I mention the whiteout? (laughs) I mean, versus the other teams I mentioned, I think Penn State's probably the most dangerous. Army, you know, they gave Oklahoma a hell of a game last year. And I know how much we just love playing military schools and their option attacks. But Michigan should be able to just out-athlete them and uh, take care of that game in the big house. Uh, Wisconsin on the road, that would normally be a scary game. And again, I'm not saying it's not scary, but I I like that Michigan has an extra week to prepare for that one. Uh, they have the best running back in the country in Jonathan Taylor, but they really have like no quarterback. <laughs> and I expect them to struggle at least to start the year at the quarterback position. Uh, and certainly their defense isn't as good as Penn State's. And, you know, I'd probably say Iowa if that game was at Kinnick Stadium. Um, playing Iowa always makes me nervous. But if you're going to ask me which game other than the uh, main rivals uh, would scare me the most on a level of 1 to 10, maybe a 7 for Penn State, Um, and a lesser score for the others. Justin from Chicago writes in, what do you think Michigan's record will be this year? Well, let's look at the ceiling in the basement, right? I mean, the ceiling would definitely be an undefeated season with a Big Ten championship game and a win there and a spot in the playoff. I mean, Michigan's currently favored in every game that they'll play this year, and they get their toughest games, notably all three of their rivals, in the big house. And that's an immense advantage for them. The two toughest games they play on the road You know, they're intimidating based on the atmosphere. I just talked about Penn State a bit. Um, They play on the road at Wisconsin, on the road at Penn State. Both teams have questions at quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, it's totally possible ceiling-wise that Michigan could go undefeated this year. 12-win regular season, that is definitely the ceiling. If you look at the basement, I mean, if things got unraveled, if the offense sputters, if the defense doesn't return to top three form, if the football gods aren't shining on the Wolverines – Eight and four? I, I mean, it's still hard to imagine that they would lose any more than four games. They get all three rivals at home. You'd expect to go at least two and one against them. So say worst case scenario, I don't think you lose all three. Um, Michigan's not going to lose three games in the big house um, against their rivals. But even if they went one and two, like where, where are the other two losses? Maybe two road losses, one at Wisconsin, one at Penn State. I, I just maybe one. I, I don't see two of those there. 
Uh, or is there like a weird home loss against a team that's, you know, capable of beating them, but you didn't expect them to lose to like Army or Iowa? It's just it's hard to imagine that this coaching staff and the talented players on this roster and the bitter taste of last season and their toughest games at home this year. Like it's it's just hard to imagine that they could lose four games this year. But, you know, that's why they play the game. So realistically, you know, where do I think they finish? I'm going to split my ceiling and basement here. I, I think it's looking like a 10-2 regular season. Uh, I mentioned a few minutes ago that Penn State game scares me a bit, that defense on the road, the whiteout. You know, I could see a possible trip up there. And uh, I I would expect Michigan to go 2-1 and one against their rivals. I mean, look, love to go 3-0. and oh, You get all three games at home. Um, that coin flip on that loss is probably between Notre Dame and Ohio State. For the love of God, can't stomach another loss to Ohio. Um, so if they are going to drop one, uh, I'd be leaning more towards uh, a very talented Notre Dame team with Ian Book in a game that's probably going to be a shootout. Um, but hey, you know, a 10-2 regular season and a loss against Notre Dame, that puts Michigan at a one-loss Big Ten team, probably still likely at that point to go to the Big Ten championship game uh, and have a rematch against a team like Iowa or Wisconsin or maybe play an upstart team like Nebraska uh, that, that's got a lot of uh, eyes on them and a lot of people thinking that they're the uh, you know the team to beat in the West. And that's a pretty good season for Michigan. I don't, I don't think we're going to complain if Michigan goes 10-2 uh, and two, and uh, that it equals an 8-1 and one record in the Big Ten and a chance uh, to go to the Big Ten championship game and most importantly uh, wins against Ohio State and Michigan State. Question here from Doug in New York City. Give me a breakout player on offense and a breakout player on defense this season. That's a great question, Doug. You know, I think offensively, a lot of guys to choose from here. Uh, I'm going to go with Nico Collins. I think he's going to have a big year, especially if DPJ and Tariq Black stay healthy. I'm not even saying he's going to have a good year because one of them would go down. I think if those guys stay healthy and they spread the ball out in space and they get their wide receivers uh, the ball a lot, you know, we know Michigan's planning on spreading the ball out to many receivers this year, and I think he's going to benefit the most uh, in this new system. Defensively, I think it's got to be Josh Ross at inside linebacker. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of optimism and excitement about Dax Hill, the freshman, coming in um, to play uh, in that secondary this year, and they're going to need him. Uh, I don't know that he's going to necessarily start um, the first game or two this season. At least that's what the coaching staff has said, that he's you know maybe a special teams guy to start. But Josh Ross at inside linebacker, I mean, that's that glamour spot on any Don Brown defense. And uh, Josh Ross, he's that kind of guy that you love during the offseason because he showed so much potential last year. And it's guys like that that get in the weight room. They spend more time with the coaches. They get through spring and fall camp. Don Brown's already called him Michigan's smartest linebacker. I don't expect him to be Devin Bush, who could be, but I think he's ready for a breakout season on that Michigan defense. Uh, thank you for the questions. As always, you can always email me in the mailbag. That's hail to the pod at gmail.com. All right, it's time for one of my favorite segments. It's time to make some picks. Picks went just over 500 last year. Lock of the week fared even better. Each week, I'll pick four games against the spread, with one of those picks being my lock of the week, the bet I feel most confident about. Of course, that's kind of an oxymoron this week because you really can't feel confident about any pick in the first week of the season with no in-game data. But, uh, you know, we'll try our best. So uh, let's start down in the bayou. LSU, a 27.5-point favorite at home against Georgia Southern. 
Here's the stats you need to know. LSU, they've won their last 13 home openers by an average of 33 points. Now, Georgia Southern, they were a solid team last year. They put up 10 wins, but they do not play Power 5 teams a whole heck of a lot. And when they do, they get blown out. The last two times they played a Power 5 opponent, they got beat by 31 points or more. LSU is the majority of their starters on offense back, and we know they've got one of the best defenses in the SEC. I'm going to take LSU and the points. Next game, let's head out to the Pac-12. I know it's always not a good idea to pick against Northwestern. My buddy uh, TJ will tell you that. But Stanford, a six and a half point favorite at home against Northwestern. And to me, this is all about the quarterback and Vegas being a little higher on Northwestern after winning the Big Ten West than they should be in optimism on their big name recruit in Hunter Johnson. Northwestern still lost their all-time passing leader in Clayton Thorson, and they're putting Hunter Johnson in a tough spot on the road for his first game. It's going to be a pretty solid environment out there uh, in California. Stanford at home. They're returning a really good quarterback in KJ Costello. That line sitting at a juicy six and a half points right now. I really like Stanford to uh, topple Northwestern by a touchdown in that one. So keeping the theme alive with quarterback play, I'm not afraid to pick one of the biggest games of the weekend, and that's Oregon and Auburn. Auburn is actually the favorite in this game. They're a three-point favorite, and I think the wrong team is favored here. Again, it's about quarterback play, right? Auburn starting a true freshman in Bo Nix at quarterback. Oregon starting the guy I very well think can win the Heisman and possibly, possibly get Oregon to the playoff if things shake out their way out west. He's a big NFL prospect. That's Justin Herbert. He returns five starting offensive linemen in front of him in this game. I think Oregon wins this game. I am shocked that they're the underdog in this one. And my lock of the week, it's with a home underdog, Boston College. Four-point underdogs at home against Virginia Tech. BC was a favorite of mine in the lock of the week segment last year. It's week one. We haven't seen these teams play. I got to stick with the girl that took me to the dance, right? (laughs) A.J. Dillon, one of the best running backs in the country, not named Jonathan Taylor. BC won this game on the road at Virginia Tech last year. I'm shocked that they're a four-point underdog at home. I think this game tilts BC. Way. I think A.J. Dillon puts up a huge game for Boston College. Give me BC as four-point underdogs. They are my lock of the week. And for the game that matters most this weekend, Michigan taking on Middle Tennessee State. The Wolverines begin their 140th season of football as they take on the Blue Raiders, a game under the lights, the first ever meeting between the two teams and the first ever night game at the Big House in a opener as that game kicks off at 7.30 in the Big House. That game on TV, Big Ten Network will broadcast the game. Kevin Kugler, Matt Millen, and Rick Pizzo on the call. Of course, on the Michigan Radio Network, you'll get Jim Brandstander and Dan Deerdorf along with Doug Karsh. Both teams have never played each other. The Blue Raiders will become the 151st all-time opponent uh, for the Wolverines as Michigan enters their 140th season. Michigan, of course, 113 wins in their season opener, only 23 losses and three ties. And Jim Harbaugh has compiled a 10-2 record against non-conference opponents during the regular season with his only setbacks coming on the road. We talked to Anthony Fiorella uh, earlier in the show, got to hear a little bit more about Middle Tennessee State in this one. And uh, really, they've been a pretty consistent team under Coach Rick Stockstill. They only lost five or six games the past couple seasons. Uh, They've made bowl games uh, quite often. 
And, uh, you know, the big thing that I heard in talking to him is really there's a bit of a quarterback uh, controversy there. Who's going to take over uh, for Brent Stockstill, who was the four-year starter who did so much uh, for the Blue Raiders, pretty much holds every record uh, for the Blue Raiders. Uh, He does have some pieces coming back. Uh, Coach Stockstill does uh, with that receiver, Ty Lee, who I expect to see all over the field. A couple things to watch for for the game on Saturday. Certainly it's going to be Michigan's offense um, we got a little bit of a taste of what Michigan's offense would look like in the spring sk- uh, scrimmage, uh, but ultimately, how modernized is this offense? Is it a pass-heavy attack, no-huddle, spread attack? What's the tempo going to be? Uh, it's going to be a whole different look for the Wolverines and excited to see what that offense looks like uh, as they uh, come out on the field and put that offense uh, into play here uh, for the first game of the season. If it works well and it's speed and space, this game could get over pretty quick and uh, Michigan can feel pretty optimistic about their offense moving forward. Some other key things to look at here, you know, talked about the secondary for Michigan, uh, some question marks there. We don't know if Ambry Thomas is going to play or not. Lavert Hill, the other cornerback. Um, we don't think Daxton Hill uh, necessarily is going to be, uh, you know, in this game uh, just yet. Uh, as the coaching staff hasn't really tipped their hat whether the freshman will play uh, or if they'll uh, wean him in uh, from special teams onto the defense. Uh, Certainly guys like Josh Metellus and Brad Hawkins, the safeties, they're going to be asked to do a lot here. I'm really interested to see how this secondary does as it seems to be uh, kind of the spot with the most question marks for Michigan. And they're going to have one heck of a guy they have to guard on Saturday uh, in that slot receiver for Middle Tennessee State in Ty Lee who led the team with 71 receptions for 883 yards last year and seven touchdowns. And lastly, I'm just curious to see who kicks the ball for Michigan. (laughs) Who won that field goal battle? Is it Moody or is it Nordine? And uh, we'll see that come to fruition on Saturday and uh, who gets those kicking duties for the Wolverines. But ultimately, uh, I don't expect Michigan to uh, to struggle uh, too much here in this game. Uh, Middle Tennessee State uh, certainly had a good season last year, got to the Conference USA Championship game. But uh, on a talent level side of it, uh, you would expect Michigan to be able to take care of business here against the Blue Raiders. Um, but again, you know, want to see how that defense does, uh, especially that secondary. They're going to go up against a really good wide receiver uh, in Ty Lee. And most importantly, how electrifying can this Michigan offense be? Did the system that they worked so hard to install, is it going to fire on all cylinders in the first game of the season? Or will it sputter a little bit out of the gate? I expect it's somewhere in the middle. I'll take Michigan with a final score of 41-17. to And that will do it for this week's edition of Hail to the Pod. Thank you again to Anthony Fiorella for popping on from MT Athletics. Again, you can subscribe to Hail to the Pod anywhere your favorite podcast platforms are found. You can grab that on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Be sure to subscribe so that when new episodes come out, you can get them downloaded right to your listening device. You can email the show, hailtothepod at gmail.com. And always, you can find me on Twitter, at krich23. Enjoy the game on Saturday. And as always, go Blue.